Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, please. Uh, so the theme has been a little bit this morning. Uh, uh, it's, uh, of course, the gift of the Lord Jesus that was given, the children's program. It's fun to hear them sing. Uh, one of the things in one of the songs, uh, Jesus is king. What do you give to the one that has everything? And of course, the answer was, well, I can give him my heart. I can give him my heart. Uh, he is the king, and he does own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills and the gold therein. He made everything. It's all his, and he gave us a heart, and he asks us to give that back to him. What do you give to the person who has everything? Do you ever wonder that yourself? You're going to get someone a gift, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure what to get them. They don't seem to need anything. They don't seem to want anything. It's tough. A while ago, somebody got me this. It might have been a year or two ago. It was, you know, the gift of nothing. So it's a little plastic ball of nothing inside there. Um, and it says, uh, nothing. For the person who has everything, you can get them nothing. Congratulations, you received the gift of nothing. Absolutely nothing. The ultimate in minimalism. Less is more. More is less. Nothing is precious, nothing is simple, nothing is sacred. Open the pack and be enthralled when nothing happens. Allow nothing to flow through your mind and calm your soul. Savor the moment. Soon you'll discover that nothing really is so much better than something. So the, the gift of nothing, you know. Step one, carefully open the pack. Step two, experience nothing. The contents. The sound of one hand clapping. The hole in the donut the thing that goes bump in the dark, the sound of a tree falling in the forest when no one is there to hear it, the incident no one talks about, the bashful achievement. The product is guaranteed to do absolutely nothing. If you open it and something happens, return for a full refund. <laughs> nothing ventured is nothing gained. If any of this is swallowed, please consult a psychiatrist immediately. So the... The gift of, of nothing. Um, well, I tell you, what, what do you get for the person who has everything? Really, Christmas is about a gift. And uh, a gift that changed everything. A gift that changed everything. In the Old Testament, there was, uh, there was a story of a gift that changed the whole story. I want to look at that and then compare it to salvation, uh, Jesus Christ coming, really the gift that changed everything. So we'll look in Genesis 32, verse, uh, verses 13 through 18, and then we'll jump to verse 31, but Genesis 32, verse 13. And he, that's Jacob, lodged there that same night and took, which came to his hand, a present for Esau. You're like, ah, yes, I'm still missing that last present. I'm looking for ideas. So Jacob put together a present for his brother Esau. So you're like, yep, that's why I came to church today to find out I need one more gift idea. So let's see what he got his brother. Uh, 200 she-goats. Like, uh, okay, it seems a little tough. It doesn't stop. 20 he-goats, 
200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milch camels and their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 10 foals. You're like, oh, that's quite a big gift. Uh, right now, my, my children are probably thinking, oh, and I just got my sibling a whatever, and I, this brother got all this for his brother. I'm, I'm kind of wanting in my gift when they open it tomorrow morning. Verse 16. And he delivered them into the hands of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said to his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Then shalt thou say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau. And behold, he also is coming behind us. Verse 21, so went the present over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. So it wasn't even Christmas. Well, Christmas wasn't a thing yet in the Old Testament at this point. So Jacob put together a present for his brother Esau and he sent the present on ahead. He said, I'm going to send this present. And when my, when my brother sees you and sees this gift and says, what, what's all this? I want you to tell him that this is a gift from your brother Jacob. He's coming, but he sent this present on ahead, secretly hoping that it would change everything. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what that means as we go into the story. But a gift that was designed, it was sent on ahead with hopes that it would change everything. Genesis 33, uh, verses 1 and 4, and then verses 8 and 9, we'll see kind of what happened. So Genesis 33, verse 1, Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel unto the two handmaids, and Esau ran to meet him, and embraced him, and fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I have met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. So here was a gift and Esau said, no, I have plenty. You keep it. So here is Esau, he says, I have everything a man could possibly want. You keep your gift. So in a sense, Esau is that guy who had everything. And we'll find that he really didn't have as much as he thought he did. What do you get for a man? who has everything. That's the title of my sermon for today. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your goodness to us, and I pray that you bless this time we have to look into your word. Oh God, thank you for the gift that you sent on ahead from heaven. Help us today not to say, ah, oh, no, I'm good without it. Help us not to say what Esau said here, I'm good. I'm satisfied with what I already have in my pocket. I'm satisfied with the possessions I already have. I have found contentment apart 
from this gift. Oh, Lord, may it not be so. May we realize today that without that gift that you sent on ahead, Lord, the truth is we have like this little gag gift here. We have nothing. Oh, open our hearts to our need today. I ask these things in Christ's precious name, amen. So I did, I punched that in the computer. What do you get for the person who has everything? And I was getting some ideas from the computer. And so uh, this came up. They said, you get the person microwavable slippers. So if maybe that person does it, and again, I had, I, I've never thought about throwing my slippers in the microwave, warming them up and slipping them on, but you can get microwavable slippers for the person who has everything. Uh, here was another one that, you know, for the, I suppose this is for the cook, a Himalayan salt block to cook and serve your food on. And then it's so decorative that after you, you can clean it up and just set it out for, you know, display. And so that person may not have their own Himalayan salt block to cook, their, cook and serve their food on. So there you go. There's another idea. And then, of course, Apple Air Tags. You know, because maybe, maybe you have everything, but maybe you're always losing what you have. And you can put the Apple Air Tag on there and, and keep it. Uh, so they, they sang about the star today, didn't they? And Thursday night, Mr. Schrock reminded us that Jesus, or God, the creator, he named all the stars. But nowadays you can, you know, pay to have a star named after somebody. Or if you just completely forgot to get them a gift, you can just print off a certificate that says that you named some random star after somebody. Um, There's all sorts of subscriptions. You can get the snack of the month or the meat of the month or or some interesting thing. Uh, um, I thought this was interesting. Somebody will, will mail people history, uh, replicas of historical documents. And so you get this replica of something that happened in the past and all the details around. I thought, well, that's an interesting gift. Again, for the person who seems to have everything. Uh, here was one. They, they said sometimes there's homesick people. They move away from the place they grew up. And you can get a candle scented to remind them of the state that they moved away from. And, and they use Colorado, for example. Uh, the, 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 the candle has notes of spruce and cedar uh, to encapsulate the scent of the snow-covered Rockies. And I was kind of glad with Colorado. They, that, that was the plant they chose to remind you of Colorado and, <laughs> instead of a different plant that I kind of think of uh, in, the, in the recent past. So today, uh, with, with Esau, we're going to look. There was a gift designed to change everything. There was a gift designed to change everything. And in the story of Esau... Uh, I'm going to give you the reason for the gift. The reason for the gift. We're going to see that the brothers were at odds and reconciliation was needed. The gift, the reason for the gift was to bring two people together who were at odds. Then the rejection of the gift. Esau had the thought, I'm good. I'm pretty satisfied the way I am. You keep your gift. But we're going to see that Jacob urged him and gave an explanation. And eventually Esau said, all right, I will take your gift. So we see the reception of the gift, the reason for the gift, the rejection of the gift, but eventually the reception 
of the gift. And we'll compare those things to the gift of Christmas. And may it be that those that have received that gift rejoice in it. And maybe someone today would say, I've been there where I've been rejecting it, thinking that I'm good with the way my life is going already. May it be that someone today says, I, I need to receive that gift today. Let's pray as we look at these things. I, I, I pray, Lord, oh God, that you'd help us as we look at these things. Uh, again, give me clarity of thought. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, the reason for the gift. Reconciliation was needed. The brothers were at odds. Why were these brothers at odds? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about that. Reconciliation was needed. Well, Jacob had been flat awful to his brother. When they were younger and they were together, Jacob had done awful things to his brother to the point where Esau had, I mean, literally, not metaphorically, had said, when dad passes away, I'm going to kill him. I mean, there was major odds between these two young men. <laughs> and they grew older, and Jacob was flat awful. That was the reason for the gift. I'm going to send this, hoping that it can change everything. Well, there was a time when Jacob exploited his brother Esau when he was weak. You'll, you, you see that in Genesis 25, verses 29 through 32. Jacob sawed pottage. So Jacob is, is whipping up this wonderful food. And Esau comes in from the field, and he was faint. So you can see it. There's Jacob. He's making this wonderful food. And Esau comes in. Oh, I just, I'm faint with hunger. And that's when a good brother is supposed to say, come on over here, I just made food. Ah, oh, but Jacob was awful to his brother. And Esau comes on the scene, and, uh, and Esau says to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob says, eh, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau says, behold, I am at the point to die. What, what profit shall this birthright do me? And, and so he sold him his birthright. Uh, and so Jacob took advantage of his brother. Um, it was foolish of Esau to sell that precious thing. But Jacob was cruel and selfish to take advantage of the faintness and the foolishness of his brother. So he exploited his brother when he was weak. Another time, Jacob deceived their father. So Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And, uh, and, and there came a day when Isaac calls Esau to him and says, Esau. And so this is Genesis 27. Uh, Isaac was up in years and his eyesight was fading and he couldn't see very well. And he says, Esau, come to me. And so Esau comes, and he says, I want you to go out in the field and, and hunt and kill an animal. Bring me back some venison. I'm hungry for some meat. And when you come back, I will bless you. And so he takes off, exciting about, excited about his blessing. Well, in the meantime, uh, their mom hears about it, and she says, I want Jacob to receive that blessing instead. Let's figure out a way to trick dad, trick Isaac. 
And so she gets some food together. She puts it together and says, Jacob, you're going to go to your dad and pretend that you're Esau. And you're going to get the blessing. You're going to steal the blessing. You're going to take. You're going to deceive your dad and steal this blessing. And Jacob says, I, I, I don't, my, my arms aren't as hairy as my brother's arms. Uh, dad's going to feel my arms and he's going to say, wait, you're not. And he's going to curse me instead. And she said, oh, let's put some animal skins on your arms. So if your dad feels your arms, he'll, he'll think, wow, that surely is Esau. And of course, that begs the question, how hairy was Esau? You know, what a, what a funny thought. So they did. They covered him in animal skins. And he comes up and Isaac's like, well, you, you, you don't sound like Esau. Come closer. He fills his arms and, and he's like, yep, you're Esau. <laughs> you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Okay, you must be Esau. And they tricked uh, Isaac, they deceived him. He got the blessing that dad wanted to give to uh, Esau. And so uh, later Esau comes back and finds out what his, what his brother had done. Again, we're talking about the reason for this gift. These brothers were at odds and this gift, there was hope that this gift would change everything. And so the, Esau comes back on the scene and says, dad, I'm back. I'm ready for the blessing. And and here's what was said, uh, Genesis 27, verses 35 and 36. And he, Isaac, uh, he said, Thy brother came subtly, slyly, deceitfully, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he, that's Esau, said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times and took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. This brother had treated him awfully. At the end of verse 41, Genesis 27, 41, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother, Jacob. So he had wronged his brother and death was coming for him. Jacob found out that his brother intended to kill him and he fled away to a distant land. Had he escaped death? There was consequences for his awful behavior and death was coming. So he fled away. Is that all you got to do when you do wrong and there's consequences coming? Just run? No, we, we find that wrong has to be dealt with. So now the time came. Genesis 32. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis 32. So later on, Jacob finds out that his brother is coming to meet him. The same brother that had said, I'm going to kill my brother. He's like, ah. Genesis 32, verses 6 and 7, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau, and he also cometh to meet thee, and 400 men with him. <laughs> and Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Yeah, 
I imagine you would be. My brother that said he was going to kill me is coming with 400 men to meet me. The point was, Jacob had been awful, and death awaited him. I wonder if a gift could change everything. Could a gift change everything? So the reason for the gift. Secondly, the rejection of the gift. So, as we read earlier, Jacob put this big gift together for his brother and sent it on ahead. Uh, So that was uh, Genesis 32, verses 13 through 18. And he lodged there that same night and took uh, uh, that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. So his brother's coming to meet him. And and so he's like, I'm going to put together a gift and I hope this changes everything. The 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels, uh, and their colts, 40 kind, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, 10 folds. Uh, and verse 17, he commanded, saying, When my brother cometh to meet thee and asketh about these things, uh, verse 18, thou shalt say, These be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau. This gift seemed to work. Genesis 33, Jacob lifted up, verse 1, Jacob lifted up his eyes and Esau came with 400 men. Uh, in verse 4, and Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Boy, that jumped out to me, they wept. <laughs> Esau, I don't know what, you, you suspect what those tears were about, right? Esau's like, oh, my brother, <laughs> it's so good to see you. And you wonder why Jacob was weeping. He's like, oh, <laughs> I am so relieved. Um, While Esau is weeping because it's good to see his brother, Jacob is weeping because he still is breathing. And maybe a little bit of it's good to see my brother. They wept. And he said, what meanest thou by all this drove? And he said, these are to find grace. A gift sent with the purpose of grace being found. These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. And again, uh, here's Esau. I'm content with what I have and where I am in life. I don't need it. I'm good. That, where I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that there's many in America and around this world that that's where they're at today. Uh, boy, you, you go, you knock some doors, right? You knock some doors and you say, hey, can I give you some Bible verses? There's a gift. And <laughs> I don't need it. I'm good. How many times do we hear that? I'm good. I'm good. I'm content with where I am in life. I don't feel like I need anything spiritual. You, you keep your Bible verses. I'm good. The reception of the gift is the first thing. He pressed him. And he accepted. The Bible says he urged him. This gift made all the difference. I'm I'm convinced that it changed the murder in Esau's heart to brotherly affection by the time he got there. From vengeance into grace that caused him to embrace his brother instead of taking his life. But Jacob needed the warm, fuzzy feelings in Esau to be more solid He needed to turn it into something more contractual from brotherly love. He needed him to accept this gift to solidify the forgiveness more. 
So Jacob urged him, please, no, no, I need you to take this gift. In verses 10 and 11, Genesis 33, verses 10 and 11, and Jacob says, nay, I pray thee, I'm begging you, please take this gift. It's important. And really today, this gift of the Lord Jesus coming and salvation, you say, yeah, I'm good, I'm content. No, 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 we're, we're begging you. Please take this gift. If now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand, for therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. This gift made all the difference. And really in this I see the the story of Christmas. Christmas is a story of a gift that was given that had the power to change everything. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans, 3, 20, or Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, and it isn't nothing that he offers. He offers something very precious and very real. The wages of sin is death. You and I are sinners. Death, just like death was coming for Jacob. And there was a gift. He couldn't flee and get away from it. It had to be dealt with. You and I are sinners. And death comes for sinners. And oh, that there was a gift that could change everything. And this is the gift that changes everything. The reason for the gift of Christmas. Because reconciliation is needed. And it's not between you and, and some other human being. It's between all of us and God. There's ought between us and God because of our sin. The whole reason Jesus came was to bring about reconciliation. We're sinners. We're at odds with God. Matthew 1, 20 through 21 says, While he thought on these things, this is Joseph, uh, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. This child that she would bring forth is a special child conceived of the Holy Ghost. It's God clothed in human flesh. It's the gift of God with us. She shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came, because we are sinners and we needed someone to set us at peace with God. Reconciliation was needed. Uh, Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Under the law, that was all of us, eternally enslaved by our sin debt, guilty, redeemed. Jesus came to redeem us, to pay the sin debt that we could never pay. Our sin debt had us eternally enslaved, but Jesus came to pay 
our sin debt. Sin has been committed and death is coming for the sinner. Punishment for sin was in order. Is there a way that a gift could turn things around? Now the Bible teaches us that we're all sinners. And, and, and of course, we, we like to think, oh sure, maybe I've sinned, but, but I, I'm less impure than that person. Maybe I don't need this gift. Well sure, that guy needs it. And, and that, that woman, she's a sinner. She needs it. But I kind of feel like I'm not as impure as other people. I'm not sure that I need this gift. Let's talk about that for a moment. James 2.10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And you might say, well, sure, I'm impure, but not as the Bible says, if you sin in one point, you're guilty of all. Once you're impure, you're impure. And in God's eyes, you're a lawbreaker. And that's every single one of us. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. We might feel like I'm not as impure as... The no, no, no. Guilty of all. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Let those words sink in. Guilty of all. Guilty of all. And just like death was coming for Jacob, death is coming for you and I when, because we're sinners guilty of all. But just like there was a gift that could change everything in Jacob's story, there's a gift that can change everything in ours. James 1, 14 and 15, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Death is coming, but there is a gift that changes everything. But here's where the story differs. Jacob was the offender, and he produced the gift. Esau was the offended, and the gift was produced for him. It's very different in the story of us and God up in heaven. We the offenders, we're the sinners, and there's no gift that we could produce. There's nothing we have. There's no gift that we can give. And that's when God looked down and said, you have offended me by your sin, and you have no gift to offer. I will supply the gift. And that's what the Bible says. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the only thing that would work when it comes to our sin against God. We have nothing to offer. We have no gift to give. There is a gift that makes a difference but it's God on high that offers it and it's we who must accept it. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Remember when, when Esau said, What is this gift? And, and Jacob said, it, It's a gift so that I might find grace in your sight. We need grace in the sight of God up in heaven. And it's that gift whereby we can have it. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves 
It is the gift of God. The offended offered the gift. One purchased at an immense expense to himself his only begotten son. Remember how big Jacob's gift was? That was a big gift. All those animals. And you say, well, at first I thought, what a big gift. But if it's an exchange for his life, well, it doesn't seem that unreasonable if he's paying to keep breathing for another day. Oh, but as big as his gift was for you, God paid something far greater. His son, his only begotten son. Far bigger is the gift that God offers, not in exchange for our temporal, physical life, but for for your eternal soul. The rejection of this gift. Sadly, a lot of humanity says, ah, I'm good. You hear it all the time. Ah, I'm good. Why was Jacob content? Esau said, I have enough apart from God. And Jacob says, I have enough because of God. Listen to Jacob here when he says in verse 30, uh, chapter 33, verse 11, Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, and he took it. What do you get for the person who has everything? Well, it depends on if they really do have everything. Because if you're living life content with what this world has to offer, but you don't have God, you have nothing. You have nothing. What do you you get for the person who has everything? Well, if they think they have everything and they have nothing, you plead for their souls and say, please, you don't understand. You think you have enough, but you have nothing. One day you will draw your last breath and you will stand before God and God will want to know, listen, I sent my only begotten son to die in your place. What did you do with my gift? The gift that I purchased at great expense to myself and I sent it on ahead with hopes that it would change everything. And it's by that gift that you can find grace in my sight. Oh, we better not look at him and say, ah, I saw your gift and decided that I didn't need it. The only gift whereby I can find grace in the sight of my creator. I'm so glad that he urged him and he took it. Can I do some urging? Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, that's you. You need to seriously understand the gift of the Lord Jesus. And receive him into your life as your hope. The only way that your sin debt can be covered. Because he died in your place. Oh that today you would cry out and say. Oh God up in heaven. I'm done saying I have enough apart from you. I only have something when I have you as my savior. I'm a sinner. And I don't deserve heaven. I deserve an eternity of torment in hell. But oh God up in heaven you sent Jesus. And that's the story of Christmas. A gift that was sent that would change everything. 
Imagine a terrible storm. Can you see it? The tempest has left behind a horrible wreck of a once fine vessel. Can you see the surviving mariners almost completely frostbitten with cold clinging to the floating wreckage, drenched through and through with the brine? Oh, the misery. But wait, a lifeboat approaches. Glorious things. Rescue is at hand. Are there among the frozen men those who would raise objection to being saved? No, not one. All are rejoicing that their agony might soon be at an end. They gaze longingly at the precious vessel. Salvation cannot come soon enough. With this hope on the horizon, blood again begins to surge through their bodies. Deliverance, recovery from the jaws of destruction. Oh, blessed lifeboat. A vessel of mercy indeed. Oh, how beautiful the rescue worker. Lost is the vessel that once we set our feet upon. There is no hope there. But for the doom of a watery grave. Whatever had been their previous position in their life, their habits or tastes or anything else, they will be glad to welcome this friendly lifeboat to be taken on board this vessel of mercy Yet indeed how strange, dear friends, that when humanity has become a total wreck and poor souls are clinging to the sinking ship with hopes that will be disappointed, with dreams that are all but dashed upon the rocks, but then can you see it? Jesus Christ appears within hail of our voice and he's able to save to the uttermost. And yet in this world around us, there are those that would raise objection to being saved. He's not the sort of Savior I would like. Or this is not how I imagine salvation to be. Or I have so many difficulties that prevent me. Or I think I'm fine just where I am. Ah, I'm good. They are full of reasons why they cannot or will not entrust their souls to the Savior. These inventions that they imagine to be evidences of their wisdom are really, in the end, just proofs of their folly and vanity. They prefer to be lost rather than to be saved by such a Savior in the way He has ordained that they be saved. Death was coming for Jacob and there was a gift that changed the whole story. Death is coming for all of humanity for we're all sinners and God sent a gift that can turn the whole story around. One day we will stand before God and the only way we will find grace in his sight is if we have received that gift. Maybe today, that's you. Don't put it off. Climb aboard the rescue vessel of God's mercy. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. 
There's no other way to come to him than but through Jesus.